Greet you all this afternoon again. In the name of the Lord. Words open to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and let's begin reading here at verse 65. Psalm 119, verse 65. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. Let I pray thee thy merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to thy word unto thy servant. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live. For thy law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause. But I will meditate in thy precepts. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. They had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. One reading there at the 88th. Sing number 153.
Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before Thee. And though, Father, our minds try to fashion an image of Thy presence and what it must be like to come before Thee, yet, Father, we know that truly in our hearts and in our minds, we cannot know how great and how mighty and how powerful and what it is truly like to come before Thee in Thy presence. There has no man, Father, seen Thy face and lived. And yet, Father, Thou hast bidden us to come before Thee in prayer, to bring our requests before Thee. Father, we feel sometimes it's more for us than what it is for Thee. For Thou knowest our thoughts, Thou knowest our uprising and our downsetting. Thou understandest our thoughts afar off. There's nothing hid from Thee. Sometimes, Father, it's good for us to be able to come before Thee and articulate and verbalize and say out loud what it is that's on our hearts so that we can better understand what's there. But Thou knowest already, Father, what is there. We know that Thou dost desire a relationship with Thy children. In order to have a relationship, there has to be a communication. There has to be a speaking, a talking, a visiting, a sharing, a pouring out of our hearts. And so thou dost bid us to come to thee in prayer, Father, and we're thankful for this. Father, we do love thee. We desire, Lord, that we might worship thee with hearts that are completely pure, with minds that are completely pure. Father, that lives that we would be clean, that there would be no shadow within us, O God, but that there would just be light and truth. That from our speech, Father, would come forth grace, words that are seasoned, that would minister grace into the hearers. Father, we would desire to be gentle, to be kind, to be loving, to be merciful. Father, we want to be like thy son, that, that this would even be our confidence that as he is, so are we here on the earth. And yet, Father, we find ourselves not always that way, and for this we pray that thou would please forgive us and help us, Lord, to do better. As we heard this morning, Lord, that we would not be hypocrites, but that, Lord, as we also heard, that we would have the grace to change those things. So that we might speak thy word with confidence. So that we might approach unto thy throne boldly, not in arrogance, Father, but knowing that we have been made clean, knowing that we have been made right, knowing that we are fixed, knowing that we are at peace with thee, knowing that there's nothing before us in thee, O Father. But we're here, Lord, and there's times when we run into difficulties, we, t- we run into temptations, we run into challenges, and we find ourselves doing it not just exactly, even like what we would want to do, Lord, let alone what Thou would have for us. Please forgive us for this, Father. And though now, Father, we're not worthy 
We have spoken to thee in prayer, Father, and now we would ask thee to come and speak to us through thy word. Surely we don't deserve this, Father. But please be kind to us and come here into our presence, Father, and speak plainly to us words that are easy to understand, words that can settle down there into our hearts, words that can get planted there in the deep recesses of our, of our lives, and that can grow up and spring forth and bring forth fruit that would please Thee, Father, and that would bring honor and glory unto Thee. And so send Thy Spirit now, Father, and if there would be any reason at all Father, our minds can be so distracted. Our hearts can be so distracted. It's so easy for us to think about what's going to happen tomorrow. It's very easy for us, Father, to think about yesterday. And for some reason, Father, it's hard for us now to really pay attention to what thy spirit would speak to us. But that would be our prayer and our desire. And those distractions, Lord, that the devil brings, that his devils bring, to try to cause our minds to wonder, or maybe he would try to discourage us, or maybe he would give us evil thoughts, even concerning one another, Father. Maybe he would stir up emotions in us that would not be right before thee, Father, that would be selfish, that would be carnal, that would be of the, the, the sinful nature of, of, that, of that old man Adam, As we hear the word, Father, all of that can be there. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices, Father. That is why we would just ask and pray and plead that those evil spirits, that they would be truly bound and cast forth out of our presence. Father, that we would never welcome them by any means into our lives by anything that we would be doing or anything that we would be saying or anything that we would be thinking, that we would simply give no place to the devil. So may we examine our hearts, Father. and May thy word now come and wash over us and clean us and make us pure before thee and smooth out the rough places, Father, and stir in us and bring forth life. Father, we love thee and we thank thee, and we're thankful for this, thy word, and pray now that it would have its effect upon us, in Jesus' name, amen. My thoughts before we go to the New Testament reading, my thoughts, my, I guess my attention was caught by that verse 67, before I was afflicted I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. And in a number of different places we read throughout this, um, this portion of this psalm. My soul fainteth for thy salvation. Over here we read in verse 71, it's good for me that I've been afflicted. And I just had to think of that verse that whom the Lord loves, he chastens, like that father. And if we are without that chastisement, then we are, as it says, then we are as bastards and not children. And 
that salvation is not, as we've said before, salvation is not cheap. It costs the Lord his life. It costs him his blood. It costs him 30-some years here upon the earth. That was a, a severe trial, extremely difficult. And so salvation is not cheap. And those that would receive it without any struggle or fight are probably also equally willing to give it up when pleasure or temptation come along. And I know that there are some here that are struggling with that and would, that are trying to work out their, their salvation in fear and trembling. And it seems difficult at times and it's hard sometimes. But whom the Father loves, he chastens. And I think that we can be comforted in that. There's, there's a, that beautiful verse there. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. And there's, there is some here that are afflicted. But God is trying to work a work that he would bring us into closer communion with himself, that we would keep his word. And so not to lose heart, not to become discouraged or, or faint, but that we could... That we could allow that affliction to have its proper effect upon us. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. And I hope that can be an encouragement. If, uh, if there's some struggling there or some challenges as we, uh, as we have souls that are certainly trying to work out their, their salvation, may that be an encouragement. May that be a, a, a blessing that, that we don't give up that we keep pressing on, and that uh, we keep knocking. So in Matthew 15 is where the word is opened here. Matthew 15. Verse 1, it says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, 
declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are you also without understanding? Do you not do you, do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. I'm going to end reading there at the 20th, verse 20. I struggle a little bit to know how to <coughs> begin here on this. It must have been really, really difficult for the Lord to have these men Um, to have these men come up to him and they were they were just so religious they were they were they had the they had the scriptures memorized they were so religious and they knew what the law said and they were following that law. And not only were they following that law, but they went beyond that law. They, they took it and they, they, and these were the kinds of conversations that they were having. It says that we shouldn't work on Sunday. And so what constitutes as work? And I think it's okay to discuss the word and try to come to what right application is. But I'm also, I get real disgusted, I guess, is maybe the easiest way for me to say it, with those kinds of conversations sometimes. When we read the words of the Lord and it says it very plainly, and, and then there's this question that comes up. What it looked like here was they could read the law, and they knew they weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath, and instead of a just in simple faith taking that, what's work? And pretty soon that thing got so narrowed down and so, so specific that they lost the point entirely. I think God wanted to give them a break. God rested on the seventh day. 
he saw that men needed a rest. And they, they, they started taking that verse, well, what is work? And pretty soon, you know how it goes. The discussion goes and, well, is picking up a stick work? Like, how far can I walk out of my house until it's considered work? And there are, there's a certain type of person that has a bent propensity towards that that is Pharisaic in its nature. And so the line goes that Scripture tells us we need to dress modest. Well, what's modest and how modest? And does that include colors? And Does that include styles? And does that include going to stores or not going to stores? Does that include sewing or not sewing? Does that include lengths or not lengths? And I know I've got to be careful here without giving a lot of explanation, but what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is there is a type of a spirit that's Pharisaic that can really be binding and bring men into bondage if we're not very, very careful. We need application of the Word of God. We need to make right application of the Word of God. But we also need to be careful that in all of our application of the Word of God, we don't take that application that maybe gets down to be our own preferences And we begin to teach for doctrines the commandments of men. Because that can very easily happen if we're not very, very careful. And I don't know that I'm in a place to give a lot of examples of that right now because I just simply don't have any that's coming to my mind. It'd be nice if I did, but I don't necessarily. But what I'm trying to point out here is these men, there was a spirit there. There was a spirit that was behind these men. They were going to keep the law. They were going to keep it to, to the T, to the letter. They, they weren't going to pick up a stick on Sunday because that was going to be violating this holy law of God. But yet Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could be standing right in front of them and they were finding fault with the Son of God. There's something horribly, horribly wrong with that. And if you stop and just think that through a little bit, you'll find that that problem and that spirit can still be very much alive today. It can be very much alive today. And so here you have this group of men that weren't, that everything was right according to the law. They they tithed even of their their they tithed of their mint and their anise. I mean it was it was to the T. And so the Lord would come along and he would pluck the corn out of the fields, his disciples would, and they found fault with that. They found fault with that. You're not look, why do you transgress the commandment? And it was it was the Son of God. Jesus Christ, perfect. There's something terribly, terribly wrong with that. There's, a, there's something very critical in these men that can't see spiritual life. All they can see is the form. All they can see is this, is, is, and, 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 and then it, 
they, they crucify him. And they even did that to the letter of the law. Couldn't let him hang out there, you know, over past a certain hour of the day. Let's get him off. Just a, a, just a t- tremendous blindness there in that. And I, I think if we're not careful, when we read the Word of God, why are we doing what we're doing? And I think that that's maybe what I'm trying to get at. Why are we doing what we're doing? There's, there's kind of two faiths represented here. One could, if I just use these Pharisees, one could keep that commandment on the Sabbath, and I've said it so many times, one could keep that Sabbath day because that's what it says. And if I can just say, I think that this tendency even would be here among us so that we can kind of pull in on here and pay attention. I think that that tendency could be there where the, the, this is what the Word of God says. It says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And so we're going to, I'm just using that as an example. I'm only using that as a reference point. But you have two different types of people with two different types of faith. There's one person that's going to keep that because they know that's what it says, and that, therefore that's what we do, and that's what's the expectation, so I'm going to do it. And those people can tend to be Pharisaic. And then you have a person that reads that same commandment, and, it's, and the reason that they keep it is entirely different. It's entirely different why they keep that commandment. The reason they keep that commandment is because they love God. They love God. They love to t- keep the Sabbath. They love to keep it holy. They don't have to worry about how far they can walk and how far they don't have to walk. They're, they're wanting to please him, and that's their heart. That's their desire. They're not seeing how far they can get away with things, what they can do to kind of just squeak by. I mean, is this allowed here? Because if it is allowed, I'll do that. If it's not allowed, I won't do it. Just tell me what's needed, and I'll do it, because that's what needs to be done, and I don't want to make God unhappy, and I, I want to get to heaven when I die, and I don't want to be cast out. But then there's this other person that's doing everything that they're doing because they just simply love God. It would never be in their heart to, to disappoint him or want to grieve him or want to, because they love him. And so you can get to modesty. Modesty has to have application. It has to mean something. It can't just be some pie in the sky, cloud in the sky that, that, that you can't ever touch or get a hold of. It has to mean something. It has to apply somehow, and as brethren, there has to be coming, a coming together that this is modest and this isn't modest. Those are things that have to happen. He's given us minds and hearts and the Spirit of God within us to discern what covers and what doesn't cover. But then again, you see there's two kinds of different kinds of people. A brotherhood could come to a place and say, you know, we just don't feel that a, a, a skirt that's up at the knees is modest. I'm just, I'm just saying something. And so we're going we're gonna to say that the women need to have long skirts. Cover yourself up, ladies. We're going to say that. Okay, so now we, have, now we have that there. And now you have, it can be this way. You have two sisters. I'm not accusing, I'm just, I'm just simply saying here. I'm just using this as an example. Now you have two sisters, and they look the same. And they dress the same. 
And the one is doing it because the church has said to do it. And that's why she's doing it, because the church has said to do it. And she puts this color on because the church says put this color on. And she has this style on because the church says put this style on. And she has this head covering on because the church says put this head covering on. And she's doing all that because she wants to go to heaven when she dies. And the church has said do this. And then you have the sister that's dressing this way because she's read the commandment and she loves to do it. Her heart, she, she, would, she is so glad to do it. She loves the Lord, and so she's doing these things. And she's dressing this way. And there's two totally different types of people there. And the one is going to be very, very critical of those that don't do it just like her. The one's going to look down her nose at the other and say, well, there, you notice that thing's up a little too high. You notice what she's wearing over there. And that Pharisaic spirit can come in, but the one that is also dressed and looking the exact same way is going to look at the exact same person. And I believe like the Lord is going to be able to come up to that person and that person is not going to feel condemned by their presence. That person is not going to feel judged by their presence. That person is not going to feel like, I'm feeling a little out of place here. I don't know what to do. That person is going to be able to come up and put their arm around and draw and bring them in. And they're going to be able to see that love that they have for the Lord. And that modesty in practice then can be something that's beautiful. And they're not turned away from the hypocrisy that they see in the other sister. That's doing it because it's just told to be done that way. And the one is obnoxious, the one is disgusting, the one turns people away, and the other one can draw, and they see the beauty of it, and they see the love of it, and they see the, the, the joy of that. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm trying to say that in a way that can make sense, but probably need more, need more uh, time to explain that a little bit better. But the Lord was pointing out here a real fundamental problem that was in these men, that if we're not careful, can be among us. And that is that, that we, that there, there was something here, and again, I'm, 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 let's just try to go at it here a little bit. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. And so now they're struggling to understand this. They're struggling to understand what the Lord's trying to teach them here. Then came his disciples and said to him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? And it's that same way today. It's that same way today. That Pharisaic spirit is still offended today by the Spirit of God and by the Spirit of Christ. And it's manifested so often in very, very conservative and conservatism, if I can just say it that way. That Pharisaic spirit loves that kind of an environment. That, that Pharisaic spirit, and, and what it will do immediately is if, if someone cries out against that Pharisaic spirit and says, listen here, you're not going to get to heaven because you obey your church. You're not going to get to heaven because you did everything just, just so. You're not going to get to heaven because you just dressed exactly like the agreement was. That's not what's going to get you to heaven. 
You have to have a, a, a meaningful, deep, personal love relationship with the Lord. And they'll smack down, they'll say, you liberal. You liberal. You're going to the world. And that's how that Pharisaic spirit responds. And they get offended. They say, this is of the, this is, this is of the world. You're, you're teaching something that's, that's not right. But these Pharisees struggle to love God. They really do. These Pharisees really struggle to love the Lord. Give them a list, they can do it. Tell them what to do and they'll do it all day long. They'll be faithful in doing it. You could hardly ever get anyone that's of this mindset to say that those things are actually what they're doing so they can go to heaven, but it's, what, it's where it's really at. And so they do a wonderful job giving them a list, but if you take that list away, they don't know what to do because they haven't cultivated a relationship with the Lord and they don't know what it is to actually walk in the Spirit. They don't hear from the Spirit of God in all that they do. Just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. And when it's pointed out that that's not good enough to get into heaven, that's offensive. That's challenging. That's unsettling. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. That's really scary. It's really scary to think how many religious men have not been planted by God. And when it comes judgment day, they're going to be rooted up, even though they look so holy and so right and so righteous. There was a reason why the Lord said, Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's got to go beyond that. It's got to go beyond just doing the list. And we're not, you all know, we're not, we're not cutting out modesty. We're not cutting out separation from the world. We're not cutting out those things at all. We're just simply establishing if it's apart from the love of God, it's just going to be a stench. It's just going to be disgusting. It's going to, it's going to be ugly to others. So going on here, then answered Peter and said unto them, declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, are you also without understanding? This was difficult for him to get. This was hard for them to understand. This is what they had grown up with. This is everything that they had known. Keep the law. These men had, could, they had the, the scriptures memorized. They knew it forwards and backwards. They knew, knew, they knew the scriptures so much better than what we do sitting here right now. And Jesus said to him, he says, You do therefore err because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God. And that had to have been offensive to him because they, they had it memorized. They knew exactly what it said. They could have quoted it to you front and back, forward and backwards. All, all, all the way around, they could, have, they could have done it. But they were missing something very foundational, very fundamental. He goes on here and says, Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought. But those things which proceed out of the mouth 
come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. I think about all those Pharisees that were gathered around that poor woman that was taken in adultery. She deserved by the law to die. It was as plain as can be. She deserved death. Anybody that knew the law could have understood that and prescribed exactly what. It didn't take a judge needing to be there to know what needed to happen on that particular situation. But there all these Pharisees stood around, and I'm sure it had the air of, of, of just real righteousness. Real desire to do what's right here. This woman's caught in adultery. We love God. We're jealous for him. And now she needs to die. What do you say, Lord? It's clear here in the word. What are you going to say about that? This is a clear-cut case. What are you going to do about it? And he gets down, and it doesn't tell us what he wrote there, but he just started writing there in the dust. And as they stood there, he, and he was in silence, and as they stood there, it says beginning at the oldest to the youngest, their heart, they started realizing after he said just a few words, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And their heart smote them, and their conscience convicted them. And even though they had everything by the letter over here, they knew that inwardly within themselves there was something very, very wrong. And that's why the Lord, when he looked at him, he said, you're woe unto you. You're like whited sepulchers. Outward you appear beautiful, but inwardly you're just full of dead men's bones. So the Lord really wanted to get down into the heart. Now you, got, you, now you do, you have, this, you have this brother and brother, you have this sister and sister, you have this Pharisee, and, you have, and, it, and it looks so good outwardly. And the Lord's trying to get here into the heart now, and he's saying, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Because if you have evil thoughts, these are the things that defile you. If you have evil thoughts coming, it's because there's, still, there's something in your heart that's not right. Now, you give me a list on how to fix that. I, I can't give you a list on how to fix that. Other than what the Lord said of repentance and seeking the Lord and coming before him and not stopping until you're actually right with him, until he actually gives you a new heart. But as we examine those evil thoughts, murderers, the word tells us that if any man hate his brother, he's a murderer. And so we have to start looking at these relationships that we're in, start looking at the thoughts that we're having. It actually has to get us down deep into our own selves of where are we actually at here in our relationship with the Lord, and where is my heart that he sees? He doesn't just see the outward, which is necessary and important. I'm not, I'm not undermining that. It's, it is important. But the Lord goes right down in here into the heart, and he's looking at this. And so do I have any ill feelings towards my brother? Do I have any evil thoughts? Do I entertain thoughts that, 
that maybe just simply aren't right. I'm drawing conclusions. I'm thinking I heard them say this. And I'm putting dots together that's drawing a picture that at the end of the day is actually not even right. And we say we love truth and we want to know truth, but sometimes that's easy to happen, isn't it? And we start thinking about our brother in a way that may actually be evil. Look at our relationships, these feelings that we can have. Have we forgiven? Have we forgiven? Or do we harbor bitterness that can root into and defile then many, it says. And we know that bitterness turns into hatred, and hatred is murder. We look at adultery. And the Lord says, if, if any man looks on a woman to lust after her, he's already committed adultery in his heart. Fornications and thefts, false witness and blasphemies. God forbid that any of these would be among us, but when we, when we look at it, the Lord said, these are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. And we've got to keep that in proper perspective. We have to keep that in its proper... It, it, that's, that's, we, we've, we've been so turned off by the saying, well, we're, what really matters is the heart. We've been so turned off that I get so tired of hearing that saying... I really do, because it's, it's so misused and abused and, and taken wrong. But the other, the, the, the other side of that coin is, is that sometimes when we hear something misused over and over and over, we go to the other end of things, the other spectrum, and we react in a way, and we make it almost as like, no, it, that it, it does matter what's in the heart. What's in the heart is what really matters. And what's in the heart will be manifest. And it will be manifest in our thoughts. It will be manifest in how we speak. It will be manifest in how we live. It's going to be manifest in how we dress. It's going to be manifest in how we spend our money. It's going to be manifest in how we spend our time. It's going to be manifest in how we interact and enter into relationships. All of that is a manifestation of what's coming from the heart. And so it really does truly matter. What matters is truly the heart, right? But the heart does not stand individually by itself. The heart connects. The heart brings forth application. The heart brings forth actions and reactions that all testify what's in the heart. None of you could convince me, you couldn't do it, that someone shows up half-dressed, tattoos all over their body, big earrings, whatever. You, you, you got the picture. Green hair. But praise God, all that matters is in her heart. Well, it's possible she's never, she's just started. She just started her conversion. That's possible. But I'll tell you what, what's in the heart manifests itself. It just does. It manifests itself in all of those things, in all of those ways. So we got to be careful. We can't go the liberal route. You see the, the fine line there? We can't go the liberal route that says that all that matters is what's in the heart. And it doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter how you spend your time. It doesn't matter any of that. All that matters is in what's in your heart. That's what Jesus is teaching here, right? Eh, hold on there. 
You see what I'm saying there? There's a fine line. On one hand, you're hated by the Pharisees, and on the other hand, you're hated by the Sadducees, the, the liberals and the conservatives. They both take shots at you because you don't make either one of them happy. You don't give the one license to just do whatever they want so long as it matters what's in your heart. I had a brother just tell me just yesterday. I was visiting with him, and I, and I want to be careful here. I apologized to him, and I said, if I said something wrong, I'm sorry. But I said, I said, you don't have peace. You don't have peace. You're not at peace with God. And everything I can see, well, how do you know that? How do you know that I don't have peace? I said, well, your fruit shows me that. You just don't, you're not at peace. You see the fruit. I said a brother, it's a brother in the national church. It wasn't one of these brothers. He was pretty upset and he took off. He ended that discussion. And I knew he had a lot to think about. But I had a lot to think about. I wondered, was I wrong in saying that? Was I wrong in saying that you don't have peace? Uh, everything I see there, I don't see peace. He came and found me. I was mowing. Told me to get in his truck. Got in his truck, and we went on a drive. He says, you know, my life is completely chaotic. And you're right, I don't have any peace outwardly. Everything about my life is chaos. And so you're right. I could see why you'd say I don't have peace but I have peace with God in my heart. Well, what do you say to that? What would you tell someone like that? I'm not going to be the judge on that day, am I? Neither are you. What do you tell someone like that that says, I got peace in my heart? Everything else outwardly would, would not be peaceful. I'm, I'm still standing on what I stood on, and I say, I'm really concerned about that. I think if there's peace in the heart, then there, there will be peace in how we respond to one another. If there is love in the heart, it's pretty difficult to go up to the brother and smash him in the face, beat him over the head, and say, but brother, I love you in my heart. My, my, my actions are just, they just scream way too loud over all that stuff. I understand how he feels that way. I can understand how he would think that way, but I still think we have something to say that, that when Christ gives us peace in our heart, it should be manifest in all that we do, shouldn't it? When God puts modesty in a woman's heart, won't that come out in everything that she does? Not, not just in clothes, but won't she, won't she be just beautiful, really? And so I, I want to be careful of that. It gets to be pretty tough even to have a message on it. Because what goes through my mind is, is that well, I'm going to get shot at for this, not by necessarily you, maybe. 
I don't know. But, but it's difficult to make those crowds happy. I don't know that we should even try. It's difficult to make those crowds happy. But right there, walking in righteousness is the Lord. And at sometimes he appeared to be a, a conservative. At sometimes he appeared to be a liberal. He was just following that narrow way, the kingdom of God. And he said, my will is to do the will of my Father in heaven. And um, if you think we could cover all that in one sermon, we're just simply not going to be able to, but I'm sure we can have further discussions on what all that looks like.